Hello and welcome to the Trinity Fit Over 40 podcast with me, Rob Burkhead. And me, Ben Hughes. We are the co-founders of Trinity Transformation and creators of the Fit Over 40 method. And together with our world-class coaching team, we've helped more than 6,000 women over 40 to fit back into their favourite clothes over the past decade. For more information about what we do, go to www.fit40info.com. So in today's episode, we're going to talk about why most women over 40 struggle with energy. So sit back and relax and welcome to today's episode. So as you know, Rob, we speak to so many women over 40 who struggle with their energy levels. Women who are finding that since they've got older, they are tired when they wake up. They also get this big slump of energy in the afternoon, another big slump of energy in the evening. And this is less than ideal for women who've got a demanding career on top of also being responsible for keeping the home and family life in order as well. And many women that we work with end up relying on caffeine and sugar as a pick-me-up to get them through the workday, to manage a, a team of people at the office and survive long days of back-to-back meetings. And then they all find themselves kind of crashing on the sofa every evening, feeling completely exhausted and that's often when the wine, crisp, chocolate, etc., all of that starts to come out. And then to make things even worse, those poor choices that some of these ladies make then start to affect their energy levels even more, leaving them even more tired, even more likely to eat and drink all of the wrong things as a coping mechanism. And if this just keeps going on for a long time, it can then lead to extra pounds creeping on around the middle area, especially for the women over 40 who we work with specifically who are already dealing with hormonal changes which can make it easier to gain weight around the middle area, more difficult to lose that weight again with normal dieting. But luckily it doesn't really have to be that way. So along with our team of coaches, Rob, like we've worked with thousands of women who are in this situation. We've helped them to go from struggling with their energy levels every day to feeling positive, to feeling energetic and feeling decades younger, even after just a few short weeks of working with us. So in today's episode, what we've got is we're gonna reveal why most women over 40 struggle with their energy levels, and then we're gonna give our top strategies to boost your energy levels and to feel fitter and healthier. So if you are feeling like this, like why does this happen? I think this is the question on a lot of people's minds that we work with. And a lot of people start to put it down to aging, I think. I'm sure you hear this a lot as well, Ben. People say, is this just part of the aging process? Like, maybe I've just got to resign. This is you know, how I'm going to feel. I've got to resign to that fact now. In our experience, that's not the case. It, lifestyle and the choices you make have a much more significant effect on this than people realize. And a lot of the people we work with feel so much better. I've literally spoken to clients this week on the phone who've been telling me in they can't believe, they're literally shocked this is their words, not mine, how much better they feel after four or five weeks, which is when we usually speak to everyone. So there's a few different reasons why people struggle with energy, especially women over 40. Let's jump straight into them. And I think the first one that's kind of the most obvious one, but we need to mention it is hormonal changes. So in the run up to menopause, in perimenopause, so this is the period around menopause. And this can start to happen a lot earlier than people think, changes in the hormones start to affect energy. So estrogen, progesterone, the female sex hormones, they start to fluctuate, they start to reduce. And if you don't work with these, you can then make things a lot worse if you then don't make the right food, exercise, lifestyle choices, and also look into things like HRT. And 
if you don't make the right choices, like you've already mentioned, Ben, then this can like spiral into this vicious cycle of then disrupting things like sleep, which we're going to talk about today, and kind of creating this downward spiral of feeling worse and worse and worse, and then using these different things like sugar, like caffeine, like alcohol as pick-me-ups. So we're going to talk about today how to get the right balance with all of this stuff. So the first thing that is going to affect your energy is going to be your hormones changing in the run-up to menopause. And if you don't work with them, then you are going to see this big plummet in energy levels. But if you do work with them, you'll be surprised how much better you can feel and how much better your energy can be. It may not be exactly how it was before in your 20s and your 30s, but it might not be that far off it. So you need to work with these changing hormones. And we're going to go specifically today into what those points are. So the first thing, Ben, I want to talk about is hormone disrupting foods. So we call these the WADS foods, right? So these are wheat, alcohol, dairy and sugar. And... It, there's a few reasons why these cause problems. So the first one is you can have intolerances to these foods. So especially wheat and dairy, these are two foods that if you have an intolerance to, and it can be a mild intolerance, you might not even realize you have it. This can lead to inflammation and poor energy. And sometimes these intolerances can develop around menopause as well. So in your in your 40s, in the run up to menopause, when the hormone, hormonal changes start to happen, for some, no, a lot of people, these changes happen a lot earlier than they realize, you can start to have an intolerance to it. And if you have a mild intolerance to it, so I obviously, obviously, you know this, Ben, <laughs> people listening might not think this is obvious. I don't deal well with dairy. And if I eat lots of dairy, it messes my stomach up. It also causes my skin to break out. Um, and it can also make my energy levels really, really poor. I feel really awful. I just want to kind of lie down. I, my stomach hurts so much. I might need to lie on my front. That's no good for your energy levels. And I have loads and loads of clients that I speak to who say the same thing. You know, they cut out dairy for a short period of time, which is what we, we recommend um, to, to see if you have any issues with these WADS foods. And then they realize, oh, that was actually making me feel way worse than I thought. I was having massive slumps. If I cut that out, I don't get it. I know you, Ben, um, you probably can elaborate on this a little bit more. You find wheat is more of an issue for you, right? Yeah, I would say, um, I'd say and I'd say, yeah, with, with most clients, what we recommend is, you know, cutting out all these foods for a certain period of time, but then then really being aware of like what for you is specifically like your problem thing. So for me, I know if I eat like a big pizza or something or, you know, a massive sandwich for lunch, anything containing wheat, it's just going to give me a, this big slump in my energy level. So I'll purposely, just because I know that, I won't then have, you know, in the workday, have like a massive wheat-based meal in the middle of the day because then it's going to slump my energy levels down and other people you know they'll they'd be able to have that exact same meal and they'd feel absolutely fine so it's such a personal thing so you've got to figure out really kind of what works best for you and the other two of these wads foods so we've got alcohol and sugar these ones i say are more universally problematic if you're consuming them too regularly so sugar can create this kind of sugar roller coaster so a lot of clients we speak to will say they you know, they, they, they want to have a pick-me-up, so they want a, 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 some sugar to give them a boost. And this is kind of false, especially around menopause. Like sugar actually will make a lot of things worse, not better. It may give you a very short period of energy. Um, it's like throwing petrol on a fire. There's a big flash of energy, but then it's gone and you need to put more and more on. But it will also exacerbate all the menopause side effects. So things like if you have joint aches and pains, it will really increase that inflammation, make the pain a hell of a lot worse. If you have... Um, hot flushes you're going to get more frequent hot flushes so then you're going to be you know you're going to be distracted from work you might then end up having to work later because you're then being in pain you've got these hot flushes it'll also affect your sleep which we'll we'll come back onto in more detail 
And all of these things can then mean it's going to drain your energy. And both of these things, alcohol and sugar, are kind of like toxins to the body. If you're consuming way too much of them, your body's going to have to work really hard to process them out. And that's going to drain your energy as well. So I think the solution to this really is to, like you said, Ben, figure out what the problem foods are for you because it's a very specific and unique thing and we help clients on our Fit Over 40 program do this over the first two weeks doing a process called the diet makeover and then really limit them you have to cut them out forever we're not about that um, but really limit them um, like you said Ben tactically so if I need energy in the working week I'm not going to have a sandwich for lunch if I'm tolerant to that or I'm not going to have um milk in my porridge in the morning if I'm intolerant to that so this will really help you to figure that out and it's especially important that the, you've got to get your diet more specific around menopause you can't get away with the same things you've got away with in your 20s or 30s yeah but making those changes it can make such a difference and like so many of the clients that we work with like that's one of the first things they start to notice this big boost in energy levels just from making those those small changes to their nutrition but I mean the other other things to kind of keep in mind as well is we really believe in in terms of nutrition in like a very balanced kind of moderation approach so even though i will try and limit my intake of wheat if i'm going to go out to a pizza restaurant for example um i'm still going to order a massive pizza and eat the entire thing i just i, I just know that like for the rest of that evening i'm just going to feel really sluggish and bloated it's not going to be the best thing for me but as long as I haven't got anything that I need to get done in the rest of the day, it's not necessarily a big problem. Um, so yeah, so nutrition then, first of all, can make a huge difference. One of the other things that uh, if people say to me, clients come and they say, you know, I'm struggling with my energy levels. One of the first questions I'll always ask is kind of, what's your sleep like? How are you sleeping? Because I mean, I'd say that this is one of those things you really just can't get around. So there's, there's other factors here like food intake, alcohol, etc. Um, caffeine which we'll go on to in a bit um, and you know how you can manage your exercise to and how that affects energy levels but you could do all of that but if you're not getting enough sleep it's not really going to make any difference you can't really make up for this one and I think a lot of the women that we work with who have really busy jobs really really busy careers they do really struggle to actually prioritize sleep and to find the time to get enough sleep so I know you've um, done a lot of research into this Rob and there's a, a, a book by sleep expert Matthew Walker, which is called Why We Sleep. And I've got a quick quote from it here, which says, humans need more than seven hours of sleep each night to maintain cognitive performance. After 10 days of just seven hours of sleep, the brain is as dysfunctional as it would be after going without sleep for 24 hours. So if you go for 10 days getting seven hours of sleep, which I think for a lot of the people we work with is possibly you know, what they average, about seven hours. They're definitely not getting the kind of recommended eight hours. But that's like you've gone without sleep for 24 hours. And if you can imagine going without sleep for 24 hours and then trying to like function and get everything done that you need to do to go through your work day, to then make good choices with food and nutrition, etc. It's going to be very, very difficult if you've been sleep deprived for 24 hours. And the women that we coach specifically, as you get older, it can be difficult to sleep well, especially around menopause. So some of the side effects of menopause can cause disruption in your sleep pattern. So, but the reality is like, you still do need to get eight hours a night, even if it's more difficult to see, to get the best possible energy levels and see the best possible results with fitness, you still need to be getting your eight hours a night. So there is a myth out there. Again, this is from the, the Matthew Walker book that adults need less sleep than younger people. I know my uh, my dad when he when he was working like um 
full time. He, he used to kind of commute to Birmingham, which is probably an hour and a half each day, each way. And so he'd wake up really, really early in the morning, but he kind of just, he'd get sort of five to six hours sleep every night and claim that he didn't really need to sleep anymore that much. Um, then like the older he got, the less sleep he needed. But the the research actually shows that older adults appear to need just as much sleep, but are simply less able to generate that necessary sleep. So the reason that you might not be sleeping as much is just because it, it's more difficult to get that sleep. But overall, it, it's really important to do absolutely like whatever you can to improve that sleep quality and to improve your sleep quantity. So Rob, like if you were going to give someone like a top tip, like what would be your number one thing to kind of work on if you're going to try and improve your quality of sleep? So I'd probably say there's so many, picking one is hard. There's, I think there's a lot of things you can do nutritionally that I think will get you some quick wins. So changes in sugar and alcohol that I talked about earlier. But I think there's also some important lifestyle factors I've changed. So one thing a lot of our clients, are, you know, they're, they're very successful in their careers, but that often means they can get into this cycle of, I'll just check emails again before bed. I'll just get the laptop out after, you know, the kids are settled or if their kids are grown up after we've had dinner, I'll get the laptop back out, have a, you know, do a bit more work. And I think it can become this vicious thing again of you end up sacrificing, you stay up later because you're working, you're then buzzing. I know I've done it as well. You get a bit tempted to do it. I actually did it last night. <laughs> I did get the laptop out on the sofa. And um, the problem is you then end up buzzing. You've also got this blue light exposure, which which disrupts um, melatonin release, which then means you don't get off to sleep so well. So I think really having good habits around this, and usually I am not that bad, um, but having good habits and around your sleep hygiene, I suppose is the, the, the word now a lot of people use. So you're not doing scrolling late at night. You're not working really late because in my experience, this is why I usually avoid it. All that ends up happening is you work less effectively in the day because you're tired because you couldn't sleep well. And then because you've had seven, six, five, maybe even less hours of sleep a night when you need that eight. And then all you end up doing is working ineffectively. So then you have to work late. And then you end up in this vicious cycle of working late to make up for your lack of sleep. When if you just sleep well, you wouldn't end up having to work late. And then you would have so much more energy for other things. You'd feel so much better. You'd have way less cravings. It affects everything. So I think I would work, focus on those lifestyle factors. I'm going to throw it back to you now, the ball back to you. What kind of what kind of wins have you seen? If you could pick one win from, from our clients, because I know as we've, we've mentioned a lot, try and pick a specific one. Um, in terms of sleep for clients? One example we've got, so if this is from our wins group, so we've got a, a wins group in um, where all of our coaches, they share kind of their top wins from their clients each week. And one win that we've got from Annabelle, who was four weeks in, so she said, uh, my biggest win of all is that I'm sleeping. I've suffered with severe insomnia for years, always wide awake until two or 3 a.m. And at least two times a week, I'm awake all night long. But this week, I've been knocked out before midnight bloody miracle i'm waking up earlier too and have more energy i'm over the proverbial moon so just four weeks it can you can have a massive impact on your sleep and a massive impact on energy levels as well and it's just from these you know these these things that we've mentioned rob like the lifestyle factors avoiding working late avoiding doom scrolling um, nutrition avoiding eating too late um, avoiding having sugary foods or alcohol before bed you make these small changes and it can make a massive 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 difference and you mentioned alcohol there. I think this is a really important one we need to talk about because I usually say to clients when they uh, we speak to them after four weeks, I usually say, 
they'll they'll kind of make this admission oh you know sugar is my kind of drug of choice or alcohol is my poison or whatever it's usually one or the other and i usually say yeah it's for our, for our clients it's usually one or the other. sometimes it's both but it's definitely at least one or the other that people tend to struggle with um, and that's usually one of the reasons they're not seeing good results so just like sugar if you're drinking alcohol regularly um and i don't want to be like someone's parent here but if you're drinking alcohol most nights or at least throughout the entire weekend it's kind of like pouring petrol on the fire when it comes to, to menopause symptoms and also disrupting sleep. Even if you don't have any menopause symptoms, it's going to really, really mess up your sleep. So again, we talked about sleep myths, like alcohol is another massive myth when it comes to, you know, there's, there's this big myth around alcohol helping you get to sleep and it might help you get off to sleep, but usually it's kind of masking a lot of other problems in my experience in that situation. So if you're overstressed, you don't have good stress management things. Oh, I have to ignore that. It's my, um, my ring doorbell going off. Um, there's all these different things that people you know, say alcohol's gonna, gonna help them with, but actually what it really does is it fragments sleep really, really badly. And there's, there's tons and tons of evidence. Again, Matthew Walker has loads of good um, research on this. So what happens is you're actually breaking up throughout the night, uh, you're waking up throughout the night all the time when you've, when you've drunk alcohol, even though you don't know it, because you're tired, because you're drowsy from the alcohol, it just means the sleep you're having is completely not restorative at all. It's not serving the function sleep to sleep should. You never get into these deeper sleep phases, things like REM sleep as well. And if you don't get enough REM sleep, it's going to affect your mood. It's going to affect your memory. It's going to affect your learning efficiency. So if you struggle with anything like brain fog, which is a really common menopause um, symptom, actually you're going to be really affecting that. If you're also struggling with me memory and mood, so you'll this can all then end up affecting all aspects of your life so you can end up then working less effectively which means you have to work longer because your memory's not working like it should your mood is low you then maybe snap at your partner or your kids then you feel guilty then you end up staying late up late anxious and worrying about it and so you end up in this vicious cycle of alcohol messing up your sleep messing up all different aspects of, your, of our lives despite us thinking oh it's, it's helping us at the end of a hard work day and the, the data just is not there to actually show it does any of that. The data is there to show it pretty much makes everything worse. Um, it doesn't even make health better. Those studies where it shows alcohol makes, you know, it, people who have one drink of wine a night makes your health better. There is um, lifestyle bias in those studies so that the type of person who's having a drink of wine every night, they just look at like a general population with this, some of these studies. That type of person is the type of person who has lots of money. They have... You know, they have good health care, they, they spend money on good quality nutrition, they're more likely to exercise. So it's actually all the other lifestyle factors that then make it look like those people who drink you know, a glass of wine a night are healthier. But actually, if you remove that glass of wine, that person would be way, way healthier still. They'd have lower risk of breast cancer, lower risk of heart disease, they'd sleep better, they'd live longer. It doesn't actually help with anything. So what I would recommend, because if, you, if you're drinking alcohol, on a regular basis, I'd say more than one or two nights a week, it becomes this vicious cycle of disrupting your sleep. If you have disrupted sleep, it also affects cravings, it affects your energy levels. Then you need to drink to sleep in the evening because you, you're overstressed because you've not been effective all day and you've, you, you've, you've maybe snapped at people or done things you shouldn't have done. So then you end up in this broken sleep cycle of alcohol, sleep, poor sleep, drink more alcohol because you're not sleeping well. And then ultimately you end up stuck drinking almost every single night to try and deal with the effects of drinking. So you don't have to be an alcoholic to be in this situation, but if that is, you know, that's, it's just a common thing. I think that's, I don't know if you'd agree, Ben, it's kind of acceptable in our modern society that 
arg, you know, glass of wine or a beer every night, you know, helps to wind down. But I would personally recommend cutting it out for a period of time. This is what we do with our clients initially. And they get a massive boost of energy from doing that. So they get out of this vicious cycle. And then I would recommend having it in moderation. So like one to two drinks, um, one to two nights a week and limit it to that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've I've personally cut out, cut down my alcohol intake recently. Um, and I'd say definitely it's, it's, I feel that my sleep's been better. And gen- generally, everything's just generally been better. It's one of those things, like you said, it's just sort of tolerated in our society as something that's kind of normal to have but I mean if you if you think about how bad it actually makes you feel if you drink a lot and then the the day after you feel absolutely it's terrible really and just to jump it jump in there like I think most people don't realize how they're feeling because again we speak to a lot of clients uh, week four of their programs we speak trying to speak to every client me and you Ben and I don't know if you hear this but I often hear that I can't believe like I said earlier I feel shocked by how much better I feel but I I didn't even realize that was like not normal to feel that way. So I think that's another problem is people get used to how it feels and think I'm fine with alcohol. I can tolerate alcohol, but actually they don't realize how it's affecting so many things because it's become the normal way they feel. And they don't realize they could feel 10, 20 years younger, full of energy. Um, they don't, you know, it's been so long since they felt like that. They've forgotten what it's like. Yeah, definitely. And I think they a lot of people put it down to age. They think, oh, now I'm getting older. This must just be how it feels to be getting older. But then, as you said, you know, they, they start, they, they cut these things out, they get better sleep, they get their energy levels back. And suddenly they feel like they did when they were in their 30s or something again. Um, and, they're, and they're shocked that they actually, how bad they felt before. Um, but another thing I want to go into as well is just, just caffeine. So, a lot of the people, you know, to all of this stuff will be happening, poor sleep, poor nutrition, alcohol, etc. Therefore, they feel low in energy. Therefore, they then turn to caffeine as a pick me up because at the end of the day, a lot of the people we work with, they've still got to get everything done. They've still got to manage people at work. They've still got to get everything done in their job. So the first thing I want to cover is just kind of how caffeine actually works. So caffeine blocks adenosine receptors in the brain. So adenosine is released throughout the day. Um, and if it binds to these receptors, so caffeine, then the result is you feel more tired through the day. So adenosine is kind of making you feel tired. Caffeine um, has a half-life of six hours. So if you drink it later in the day, there's still going to be lots of caffeine in your system. And caffeine's basically blocking these sort of adenosine receptors. And it's stopping you from feeling tired. So your body is still kind of trying to say that it's tired and caffeine's just, it's not giving you any energy. It's just kind of blocking the feelings of tiredness. So it's meaning that you're you're still operating, your body's still operating in the same kind of sense of tiredness and fatigue. It's just kind of stopping that from happening. Therefore, um, if you're turning to caffeine to keep your energy levels up, um, let's say you're having a caffeine in the, in the afternoon as a pick-me-up after you have the kind of afternoon slump of energy, once you get to the point where you're trying to get to sleep, you're still going to have some of that caffeine in your system and it's going to make it very, very difficult to sleep. Therefore, your sleep's reduced. Therefore, well, you know, maybe, you know, it's difficult to get to sleep. Maybe then you have a drink to try and get yourself off to sleep, like we said before. And then you have poor quality sleep, wake up the next day feeling terrible in terms of energy levels. 
and it adds to that vicious cycle you were talking about before, Rob. So then, you know, your energy level's terrible. So therefore you make bad choices with food and nutrition, have loads of caffeine, have alcohol to get to bed, sleep badly. And it just keeps going on and on and on with your energy levels just getting worse and worse and worse. So if you're kind of using caffeine to low energy, like to, to solve the problem of low energy, it's like continually just cutting yourself and then just putting a plaster on it over and over again. So like, it's like every time your energy's low it's just like you're like you cut yourself with a kitchen knife you accidentally just cut yourself a little bit and then you just keep putting plasters over it until you've just you've got like hundreds and hundreds of plasters over all of these little cuts and you know you cut yourself once you put a plaster on it, it's not a problem but if you've like cut yourself 600 times and you've got 600 plasters on and your entire surface of your body is covered in plasters just sort of holding you together uh, eventually it can become a real real problem so i mean the number one solution to this you've got to solve the root cause of the problem. So the reason that you're turning to caffeine is because your energy levels are low, mostly because your sleep pattern's probably not in the right place. So I think when people manage to sort that sleep pattern out, um, that can then reduce the need to have coffee, coffee or caffeine in the first place. And one of the best places to start, uh, we don't, we're not kind of saying never have a cup of coffee ever again. Um, I definitely say if, if you're watching this and you're having like multiple, multiple cups of coffee and tea throughout the day just to get through the day, you probably want to modify that and kind of improve that habit and cut it down at least a bit. What I'd say instead is, you know, maybe you have, you just limit the amount you have. So maybe you have one cup of coffee in the morning, um, but then stop drinking caffeine later in the day. So I'd say, I don't know what you think, Rob, but 4 p.m. is probably a good good cutoff point for people. As soon as you're after that, it's definitely going to affect your, your sleep. Um, even better than that might be going for kind of only have caffeine before lunchtime. But if you can do that, cut down on the caffeine. Overall, that's going to probably improve your sleep levels. Um, and it kind of, a what I found, when I've cut caffeine out in the past, I found that my natural energy levels tend to, they tend to kind of stabilize as a result. So rather than having this like burst of energy from the caffeine and then a bit of a crash and then another burst of energy from the caffeine and a bit of a crash, it's kind of just more stable. Maybe you don't have the, the sort of highs of energy that you'd have after having a massive double shot espresso or something, but you've got kind of a stable energy level um, throughout the course of the day instead. And I think a lot of people, they'll they'll say things like, you know, they wake up first thing in the morning and they think, and they say like, you know, oh, I'll just, I can't function before I've had my first cup of coffee and stuff like that. And I think if you find yourself saying stuff like that, um, it's really just identifying that there is a, there is a problem there with your energy levels because if your energy levels are where they should be, you can be waking up in the morning, you feel energetic, you feel ready to go, you don't feel like you need anything to kind of get yourself going. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a great point. Like that's a red flag if you feel, when I hear that, you know, that means there's a deeper problem that you're covering up, you're masking, like you said, putting a plaster on it. Um, and I... I actually have gone, I know we're in slightly different positions here. I've gone all the way to go and just decaf everything. Um, I do have the occasional diet coke. I'm not perfect, but that's quite low in caffeine compared to a coffee or an energy drink or something like that. But for me, my it, I think figure out what your goal is. For me, it's always to have, like you said, steady, good, constant energy, not these highs and lows where I actually find I can get overstimulated by caffeine. It makes me feel anxious. I don't actually work that well because I'm kind of like all over the place, like a headless chicken. Um, and then there's a crash 
and then you have to have it again. And I don't think for me, that wasn't a, a good way to operate. It's much better if I can just fix the root cause and have this steady, good energy all day. So bare minimum, I would say, try and cut out, like you said, 4 p.m. is the, 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 the last last chance saloon if you really get really really feel like you need it or if you've got young children and it's sometimes you need to do something like that to to cope whilst you've got really disturbed disturbed sleep um 12 midday is better ultimate is just to go i just have really good decaf quality, uh, quality decaf coffee um and that that works really well for me and my energy is now constant because i've worked on all the other things we're going to talk about today and i think one thing people don't think about and it's all of these things combined, really, this kind of holistic approach that's, that's the most important thing. But one thing people don't think about is exercise when it comes to sleep. I think they don't put two and two together that actually we are supposed to be active beings. Like until recently, there weren't desk-based computer jobs. This is like the last 50 years where that's really come up as a, as a, a thing that most of us are doing, this sedentary lifestyle. We're supposed to be moving throughout the day, whether it's um, you know, working in the fields, you know, agriculture or whether it's working in factories whatever it may be or whether in you know we're hunting foraging for food that's kind of we haven't evolved that much since then so the, we're supposed to be active all day we're not supposed to be these sedentary beings but a lot of us aren't even as you know ben like our job is pretty sedentary everyone thinks oh you're you know you're you you work in a fitness business you run a fitness business you must be doing exercise all day it's not really the reality a lot of it is on emails on meetings things like that so if you're not active, what happens is, what tends to happen is you're not tired by the end of the day because your body is not physically tired. You might be mentally tired, but your body hasn't got any sort of physical exertion on it all day. There's loads of other problems with that that we're going to today, bone loss, muscle loss, aging, but also you're not gonna be able to sleep well. So it comes all the way back around to sleep and you can't actually sleep very well. So there's, there's a sweet spot you need to hit with exercise and you can overdo it so you're absolutely exhausted and then your energy's ruined. So around in the round to menopause, so generally for women over 40, what we find is, we talked about this in a lot of other podcasts, hit, spinning, gym classes, all this really high intensity exercise is not a great thing to do because you'll be exhausted from it. You might initially get a buzz from it, but then you'll probably be exhausted and then that's going to ruin your energy. But if you don't do enough, then you're going to be really, really tired and you're going to feel sluggish all day. You're not going to be able to sleep because you, you know, your body is like, I haven't done anything all day. You need to try to sleep again. Um, so we need to try and find the right balance. And if you get it right, exercise is really, really positive. So it releases endorphins, it releases happy chemicals that give you a massive boost. Um, it helps you to get off to sleep. It helps to reduce stress. There's lots of evidence now that it reduces stress levels. So if you're anxious, if you're stressed, this exercise will help to diminish that. And then you'll be able to get off to sleep again because your mind's not spinning around. Also does things which are interesting, like it trains the heart to work more efficiently. So you can get more oxygen to the brain, to other organs. And then again, you're going to feel a boost of energy because you're going to have that better oxygen feeding your body, you know, as, as it should do um, with the fuel you need ultimately. So there's so many benefits to exercise. And if you regularly exercise, um, ideally doing something that's effective for women over 40. So we recommend list training, so low impact strength training. There's loads of benefits. We won't go into that today. But if you're regularly exercising, our clients do two, three, four workouts a week, 30 to 40 minutes. They can do it from home so it's efficient. And then it'll give them a big boost from the exercise. It will also then improve their sleep. It'll also help them manage stress. So Ben, can you just summarize then? Because we talked about lots of different things today. We're kind of like, um, we've done this path and everything kind of needs to be done together. Like what are the main things people need to do in summary to boost their energy? If they're a woman over 40, they've been struggling with energy, what can they do? So I'd say probably the, uh, 
the number one thing you've got to think is, is the key thing would be sleep. I think that that's the one you can't really get around. You could do all the rest of it. You could do loads of exercise, cut your alcohol out, cut your caffeine out, uh, eat really good food choices. It's all going to impact your energy level. It's all going to have a positive effect. But I think if you're still sleeping four hours a night, it's not going to make any difference. So I'd say the first thing to do would be work on your sleep. And then around that, it's then kind of all the other things that feed in to, there's a few things that kind of feed into improving that sleep. So cutting down on your alcohol intake is going to improve your sleep, cutting down on your caffeine intake, doing the right type of exercise, as you said, Rob. And then all of those things are going to kind of feed into sleep, um, as well as, you know, there there are more individual things to, to do with sleep, such as, uh, you know, making sure your room's nice and dark and quiet, etc. Removing, basically removing anything that's impacting on the quality of sleep. And then the next thing to look at would be generally the foods that you're eating. So if you, as you said, like, you know, if there are foods that you have slight intolerances to, wheat, alcohol, dairy, sugar, etc. If you cut back on those things and limit those things, that then is going to have a big impact on your energy levels. So I think if we were to sum up, we'd say improve sleep, um, reduce your alcohol intake, reduce caffeine intake, make sure you get into a routine with regular exercise, make good choices with your nutrition. Essentially, if you can make really good healthy choices, all of that's going to add up to um, to your energy levels being really, really high. And it sounds like there's a lot to do there, right? Which which is, hence, you know, it, it's literally why we exist as a company and, you know, why, I you know, we've got just under 500 clients that we work with. But because in our Fit Over 40 program, we break this down step by step, week by week, so that it's a simple thing to do bit by bit. And by the end of the 12 weeks, your lifestyle has been transformed, but it's not doing it all at once because that is overwhelming. And we've we've done this for nearly a decade we learned very early on that was never like people can't implement this many changes at once so i would recommend if you're listening to this um just pick one thing uh that that's going to be something you could change it could be having caffeine afternoon um or it could be doing regular exercise or it could be you know cutting out wheat if you know there's a problem there pick one thing and start doing that but if you implement all of them you can see incredible changes and we've got a couple of um we always like to do this at the end of the podcast. We've got a couple of case studies from clients who've, who've, who've implemented these changes and seen amazing results. So Ben, why don't you kick off and share one for the listeners? So the first one we've got here is from uh, Dorothy. So Dorothy says, I was, just, I was an easy size 16, tired and fatigued most of the time, aching legs and feet at the end of each day. I had lost a lot of confidence. I felt low in mood, weak, old, and extremely frustrated with myself. Now I have more energy and even after only eight weeks, I feel stronger and fitter. I can see that I'm toning up and losing fat from my arms, legs and middle. More importantly, I have a different attitude. I want to eat healthy versus junk food. I look forward to waking up with my dog, uh, no, walking with my dog, sorry. Um, I feel strong and proud of myself after every workout. Also important is the support I have from regular contact with Ben. It feels like I have backup and someone who understands where I started, but also where I want to get to. So really good case study there for Dorothy I know we've got a couple of others as well that we uh, want to go through here yeah these are all linked to energy so the next one's from um, Wendy so Wendy Hazy Payne said I started off size 12 I was feeling heavy dumpy as I'm only four foot 11 and the extra weight then therefore shows a lot I felt bloated generally carrying weight mainly on my stomach hips and thighs I was 10 stone 4 at my heaviest but I lost six pounds before Trinity so I started with you guys at nine stone 12 now I'm in a much happier place. The bloating is massively reduced and my energy levels are so much higher. I feel more in control of my life 
and the week four check-in photos have given me a huge boost as I can see the improvement to my shape as they are more than I expected. My weight's now 976 and a half, so that's five and a half pounds lost in four weeks, whilst feeling as if I'm eating a lot as I had to keep I had to step up to keep with the calories. So she actually increased how much she was eating. It doesn't feel like a diet. And instead, it's more of an awareness of what I'm eating. My waist is reduced about three centimeters with a little bit of my thighs and hips. I'm delighted, I just need to keep going. And these are updates after short periods of time. So Dorothy was eight weeks, Wendy, this is four weeks. So you can see these amazing changes, not only in just losing weight, but also in terms of massive changes in energy levels. And that's, I don't know if you agree, Ben, that's usually one of the first things we see from clients is this, or they, they tell us their feeling, is this boost in energy. Yeah, usually, typically within the first few weeks, it'll be the scale start moving in the right direction and the energy levels start going up, which then, you know, when, once you get that massive boost of positivity from those two things, it then becomes really, really easy to keep going and eventually achieve your overall goal. So last um, success story here from Susie. So Susie Mitchell, she said, before I started with Trinity, I was fat, lazy and not doing any exercise, tired, not sleeping well and staying up late doing work or jobs and then eating junk food. Since I joined Trinity, my overall well-being has improved. I've lost a lot of weight. I've lost a stone. I feel fitter, stronger, more toned and have a lot more energy. People comment constantly on what I look like and it's the change from flab to muscle. It feels so good. Overall diet has improved and I'm eating the right type of food and a better balance of them and also feeds into family diet and what we all eat. My well-being and sense of giving myself time has changed too, and I'm mentally stronger and able to say no to a lot more things. I don't just give all of me to other people now, especially people who just take advantage and take the piss. It's a fantastic program and has worked for me on so many different levels. I'm stronger, fitter, more confident in my opinions, etc. So all of those case studies are from women in their 40s and 50s who have work with us and I've seen really, really positive changes in a really, really short space of time. And if you want to find out more about the exact program these ladies followed, um, if you want to you know, find out more info about working with us and getting these types of results in your own life, if you head to www.fit40info.com, you can find all of the details on that page. So that just about wraps up for today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll catch you next week for another episode and we'll see you then. So thank you for listening to today's episode of the Trinity Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to hit that subscribe button inside your podcast app so you don't miss future shows. And also please leave us a quick review. It only takes two minutes. We do all of these shows completely for free to help you. So we'd really appreciate a quick review if it's helped you at all. So thank you again so much for listening. And we'll catch you next week for the next episode of the Trinity Podcast.